Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 22. I'm Ainsley Arment, and today we're continuing with Part 2 of my conversation with Sally Clarkson. But first, a quick interview between Jennifer Pepito and Terry Woods. They talk about the upcoming Wild and Free Conference in Nashville, what they're up to this summer, and homeschool plans for the coming year. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. a little bit about what summer looks like on your farm. Well, we school year round. So in theory, we're schooling right now. And I say in theory because I was out of town all this past week. And uh, the week before that, we had a lot of things going on. And so it's kind of hit or miss. There's no schedule really, which is, I know, pretty bad. But, um, you know, it just is what it is right now. And yeah, I told we just kind of fr- fit it in when we can. <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, I'm schooling in the summer and I've been posting some of the cool stuff we've been doing, which it's only maybe a couple times a week. And some right. days we do math and some days we just read and do some narration. But I told someone, you know, if I school year round like this, at least I know we get a basic amount of schooling done because the school year for us, <laughs> you know, we don't always get full days during the theoretical school days. So I make up for it in the summer. Well, in my big thing is just after years of homeschooling, I would give them an entire summer off and then we would start math again. They'd forgotten almost everything we had done the year before. And so I found myself re-schooling for the first, you know, four or five months. So I just thought, forget that. So I try to keep some level of math going just because I don't want to have to reteach. If they just do it a couple of times a week, it still sticks with them. The whole summer off concept came because in the summer, kids needed to help in the fields, right? Right. So kids still kept up that work ethic. And by the time school rolled around, it was a break for them. But, sure. you know, for our we're kids, as we're back to school. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. For our kids, if we're homeschooling, if we let them just play video games and watch TV all summer, then we're the ones who have to get them back in gear to learn in the fall. And it's a lot harder on us. So I feel like if I keep at least morning time going where the kids have to get through their routines and we have the time that we have to listen, then our basic structures, our basic good habits are still there when school starts because it doesn't help me any to take all summer off and then have to retrain everybody in the fall. I mean, it's just not good for anybody to have three months of purposelessness. I mean, It's just not, that's not healthy. So yes, everybody needs a little time off to regroup and, you know, have a little vacation, but no kid needs three months of going to the pool every day. <laughs> right, so, right, right. And, just, and you know, we can go to the pool and still have morning time. So if that's... Exactly. If that's yeah. You, but just not yeah. that, just that. It just kind of ruins them and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and then you're just <laughs> punishing yourself, you know. Right, you're so. punishing, yeah, because it's not like we're sending them back to school in the fall for a teacher exactly. to try and get them to sit again. You know? So, so exactly. we're just thinking of ourselves. Although, obviously, you know, I do take a few days off in the summer to do some homeschool planning. So, tell me, are you guys doing morning time then? Is this kind of like regular school? Do you switch subjects at all in the summertime? Is there a focus that you change, or do you have a favorite summer really. read aloud you're doing? Yeah, not really. We try to keep up because our morning time is always changing as we're finishing books and finishing poetry and um, starting a new Shakespeare. And I don't have set 
times of when we finish those things. So like when we were reading Pilgrim's Progress, I would read about a page and a half, two pages, three pages, depending on how engaged I could tell. You know, once you start seeing their eyes start rolling, you know, okay, I think I'm going to stop now. So I didn't know exactly when I was going to finish any of that. So then you just start the next thing. Well, I'm not going to stop us in the middle of, we are in the second part of reading Evangeline, the poem. We all want to know, does she find Gabriel? You know, just, <laughs> so I don't think anybody wants to just stop. So we don't do every single thing that we normally do in morning time, but we're still doing it. And then we're we're still right. plotting through the Wing Feather Saga. We're on the last book. So we do that at night. Um, Are you reading those aloud? Because I think they're on Audible also. So. No, we've done every one of them through Audible. How fun. Because then you yes. can knit or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we do that in the evenings. To be honest, nature study and all that, they're outside and doing stuff all the time. I haven't done any of it this summer. Right, Um, because they're working in a garden, so they're actually observing real nature. Yeah, I mean, they're just in it. We're on the river all the time. I'm not as, you know, focused on the sitting at a table and drawing out the pictures, And but we'll get back into that. And and that's one of the things that I think just as you get older and homeschooling, you kind of give yourself a break with this where it's not going to be this crazy season forever and you know it's going to calm down and we'll get back into what we're doing because I can remember in the beginning I would get so hard on myself and you know I'm such a loser we don't you know (laughs) it'll be okay so (laughs) which is nice like I love people like you and then Cindy Rollins people who really have been doing it so long you have that perspective And so then it's not a big deal if you have a bad school day. You know, you know, it's not going to mean that your kids can't succeed in life. I don't sit on the porch and cry and contemplate public school anymore, you know? Right, (laughs) right, right. You know, you just know today was really bad. (laughs) We're going to be driving out to Colorado for the Wild and Free Family Camp, which I'm so jealous. I know. I'm so excited. I can't believe it. And then a month later, we're going to Nashville, as are you, for the Wild and Free Conference, which I'm so, so, so excited. Yes. So So as you've been kind of thinking about it, but also thinking about your homeschool and your wedding planning and all this kind of thing for your family, what are some of the ideas or topic ideas that you were thinking about sharing with all of us? Because November was amazing. I took so many notes during your morning time speech in Wimberley. Oh, thank you. That'd be worth um, buying the bundles just to get that speech because it was so helpful. I, you know, I love reading books about ideas. So I'm reading um, The Abolition of Man right now. But when I talk to somebody about homeschooling or child training, I need practical. Tell me how that fleshes out every day in your house. I really need somebody to kind of walk me through not so much that I can just exactly follow what they're doing. I just need a visual of what does that look like instead of just the ideas. That's what I was trying to do with the Wimberley talk. And I'd really like to try to do something like that again in September. I, you know, I almost thought all of my mistakes, like, and it's still okay. Right. This is what I did wrong, yeah. and it's still okay. <laughs> and we're still okay. Don't stress out over this stuff. And so, I don't know. And just kind of really putting some, you know, some stories in with it and just some practical things that we've done to stay on track. And so, I don't know. I'm still working on It's still a work in progress. I'm reading a, the Charlotte Mason of Philosophy of Education. She's talking about how this utilitarian philosophy came into the schools and she the, her, she wrote 
what, 100 years ago at least. Mm, yeah. She's talking about how this utilitarian philosophy came into the schools that only valued academic and physical performance and really just what it's done to, she was saying, the moral fiber of the country. Mm. And that was 100 something years ago in England, right? Right. So it is interesting how imbalanced the school system is. And then it makes us feel like we have to be that imbalanced as well. And we kind of take the world upon our shoulders with all of this. It really is just laying the feast for them. It's putting all of this in front of them and giving them the time to be able to relate to all of it. As I've been reading um, The Abolition of Man, but he said the aim of education is making the pupil like and dislike that which he ought. You know, I just thought that was so good that as we're reading, we're talking about the things, you know, what do you think about this? Is this good? Is this bad? Is this, you know, it's, we get so hung up on all the things that really aren't that important. And really it's all these ideas and things that we should be, you know, having the time to discuss and finding out how much they care about these different things. And so let me ask you a question. You went to your first Wild and Free conference. It was actually the very first Wild and Free conference. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, going to that conference and probably not having met that many of those ladies in person. Uh, none. I don't think none? I've met okay. anybody. So I, I know that a lot of mamas are gearing up to head out to the Wild and Free Conference. And probably some of them are feeling even a little bit nervous about going mm. and not having met anyone in advance. Yeah. What would you say to those mamas? Oh, there's nothing like this. You know, I'm going to be so honest here. I tell my kids that about every 10 years, I go to a homeschool moms meeting just to remind Remind myself why I don't go to homeschool moms meetings. Um, <laughs> just, it's not my gig. I've never been a conference person. I've never been, I don't go to retreats or any of that kind of thing. I don't go to moms meetings. I don't, I just have never, you know, if I have a night off, I just want to go like have fun with my friends or my husband or something. But this is completely different. It just is such a unique community and it's not cliquish at all. So when you go, it's just all these mamas who want to, you know, just share ideas and get to know one another. And everybody's just kind of, you know, we're on a little vacation. And there's not even like a spirit of, you know, how when you're with women, sometimes it feels almost um, competitive or... Right. That was the word in my head yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just doesn't feel that way at all. The first couple ones thought I might feel that way. And, you know, like I would be intimidated. You know, I just remember when Jody came and sat down next to me, Jody Mockaby one time, and, and she had all of her notebooks that her kids had drawn in. And I just remember sitting there and looking at them, admiring them and thinking, this is such a great idea. I want to incorporate this. But it didn't feel showy or braggy. It was just like, hey, this is kind of what we're doing. And you could see what other people were doing and talking about. And it was just this great wealth of ideas without competition or condemnation or I've never been to anything like it. It's the only conference or retreat or any, it's the only thing I do. Um, Definitely. There's such a unique and warm and loving spirit about it that yes. yeah. is pretty incomparable. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited to see you in just a couple months. I can't believe how fast the time is going. I'll be um, just looking forward to hearing more about the rest of your summer. Yes, this is it'll it'll be so much fun. 
Thanks, Terry and Jen. Sally is the best-selling author of so many books, a wife and mama of four homeschooled children, all grown now and doing amazing things. Sally and I met last fall and shared a wonderful dinner on the oceanfront together. We literally closed the restaurant down, talking until the wee hours. It was such a pleasure to talk with her again, and I know you're going to love what she shares with us today. Here's the conversation. Whenever I read your books, I think we homeschool very similar, we yeah. very similar, and you were wild and free when you were raising your kids. I was, and I loved it, and I feel like what really shaped my children, they are so amazing. I read their words and their convictions and their thoughts, and I thought, oh, I just hoped when I read and discussed at the dinner table, mm-hmm. because our dinner table was profoundly important to us. Mm-hmm. I really think it was that whole discussion model in our home. Mm-hmm talking about everything well what do you think well what would you have dra- why don't you draw a picture about it how would you have ended the story what do you think about this article in the news today what did you think about the way the man treated him when we went to the museum we engaged their minds mm-hmm. and i didn't know how much that would lay a foundation i don't think women are living into their intellectual or spiritual mm-hmm. moral muscle there's so much to know do ways to become excellent ways to grow and i've loved growing and being stretched and even now being stretched by my kids and it's such a fulfilling thing to grow into who you have the capacity to be mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of people just copy people but they don't understand that cultivating life creates more life. As homeschooling moms we're just focused on our kids we're just focused on you know what do we do to educate them the best way okay so it's reading aloud it's spending time right. together it's reading poetry it's all you know it's all these things like what bases do we have to cover but it's so much more than that and I know that people need those tangibles but it is so much more than that and for wild and free a big value is childhood it's not protecting their childhood in the sense that we want to keep them ignorant it's just their innocence well i definitely am a strong proponent of innocence because i think there's so much cynicism i can't take in all the news because whatever you water is going to grow so if you're watering thoughts of fear and war and murders and killing and Mm -hmm stupidity, then it's natural that that's going to grow into something that would be fearful. I'm a definite proponent of giving children the best imaginations, the most heroic stories, the ways to cultivate life and create beauty and things to do and pictures to paint. Adult life will come soon enough. It just comes when it comes and Mm -hmm. you can't hold it back. But you don't have to feel like you need to interpret the adult life to children when they're innocent and young. Yeah, and we don't want to hold our kids back when it's time for them and they are starting to spread their wings and ask deeper questions and and all of that. It's exciting. You know, it's like a new relationship with them. And I love that, you know, we want to preserve their childhood. It doesn't mean that we just want to grow ignorant children. We want to engage their minds and, and help them become thinkers from an early age. It's 
summertime right now and you know lots of homeschooling moms homeschool year round and some take a break and make it a really big deal like end of school I tell my kids we're on summer break but the truth is is that I don't see our learning as changing much we just kind of are always learning you know they definitely have more flexibility and you know free time but you know they're even doing some math this summer and I pull out games just to give them something to do did you feel like your rhythms changed for summer or did you do anything yeah you learn as you go I think because we spoke throughout our lifetime we kind of knew that there would be certain times of the year when we wouldn't get as much strict academic input into the kids lives and times when we wouldn't but I used to feel like if I didn't have some rhythms in the summer the kids became restless Mm -hmm. then they would drive me a little bit crazier because my most hated question was what are we going to do now mom because I would feel this oh my goodness I've got to come up with some creative imaginative thing and yeah could I just sit here for a minute or they're looking to you for their entertainment (laughs) right we created a lot of different corners you know where there was some paints and colored pencils and great artifacts for them to use for that and then there were dress up clothes you know we had a playground we had a basketball making our home into a life-giving home to help me but I felt like I had to have rhythms in the summer too and school rhythms we would enroll them in the library reading times we looked into allowing our children to become docents at historical museums because Mm -hmm. it was really fun for them Mm -hmm. they would get to dress up and be a junior docent you know like people would come and say what did you do as a girl in the pioneer town and they got to give that or uh, we tried to find out ways that they could do volunteer things in the summer because it was fun for them they worked at the public library with little children because it gave them an activity to be with their friends with we did incorporate maybe a different kind would always go to the swimming pool at blah 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 you know days if we could and park days with our friends we always had we'll ask this family over next or you know but uh, we always had Saturday night movie nights but yeah I felt like because I am a little bit introverted in that I just need time alone to Mm -hmm. cope with life that if I would establish even some not strict guidelines but just some things so that we would know what to expect or what was coming then it wasn't a free-for-all for all four kids to come at me with needs. to talk about different a little bit too just because different is the book that you just wrote with Nathan not just but it came out just a couple of months ago Mm -hmm. and I know you're already working on your next book but this book different you wrote it with your son Nathan and he has Mm -hmm. ADHD and ODD and I mean how would you describe it well I think you and I both talked about it because we have some issues with people very close to us in these areas first of all I think all children are different and so if you're trying to stuff your extrovert into an introverted box or your child who argues every night and if you're attributing motives to them why does he argue he's just trying to rebel against me instead of Mm -hmm. saying maybe he'll be a debater someday which is what Nathan is and Joy is I think that it helped me even in writing the book to step back one step further in the direction of freedom and saying we have individual fingerprints we have individual DNA we were each created so differently that I need to give freedom for my children to be different Mm -hmm. and to accept their differences is good so I think that's the first foundation for all women But then secondly, I would say that the educational and even this faith community is not very helpful when it comes to things that are 
clinical, like a mental illness, whether it's a learning deficiency or a behavioral deficiency that is actually a definitive thing about our children. And so I feel like I wanted to give women a book that would help them know, okay, it's harder to have a child or a sibling or a parent who's mentally ill or who struggles with clinical OCD or who struggles with one of the autistic spectrums or whatever. Yeah, your life is a lot harder than most women who don't understand what it's like to deal with that. And that it's okay for you to say it's harder and for you to have conflict in your heart sometimes about figuring out how in the world we're going to live through this. And knowing that the most important thing is to make progress and to grow in understanding and grow in maturity in relationship to your children and spouse or whoever has it, but also to know that there are other women out there that feel just like you do, mm-hmm. but that the child or spouse or friend, whoever has these issues, need for you to believe forward in their lives and what they're becoming and not limit them by the boxes that school or culture has put on us in defining what we think people should be. Because I really feel like, as I would say, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to do it. But I believe that you have a story to tell in your lifetime, Nathan. And I'm going to support you every step of the way and give you things to do that you are able to do well while trying to shore up the areas that cause you havoc so that we can grow in the direction of health Mm -hmm. and of strengthening who you are while understanding that some of the issues will never, ever go away. And Different is the name of the book. It is about those issues that you dealt with with Nathan, and he shares his side of the story too, which is really powerful. But it's definitely a book that I recommend to so many people on an almost daily basis and have given to a friend recently. But it, it, it isn't just for the mom of kids that had the issues like Nathan did but you're right like all kids are different I literally recommend it to so many moms just for dealing with the different personalities and all of that and I think that you can gain so much of it even if your kid is quote-unquote normal or in Mm -hmm. your mind you know doesn't have any of those blaring issues I think it's just a really important and helpful book well I love that and thank you so much because I I do feel like what I have learned even have been reminded of again in writing the book as well as throughout my lifetime with him is that unconditional love and truth sympathy and understanding for each person is the foundation for our ability to influence that person. So it doesn't matter what curriculum you get, how much you pay a tutor, how much money you spend on valuable resources. If you aren't providing a foundation, a very strong foundation of love and acceptance and sympathy for every child in your home, then you are going to have a difficulty ever influencing them in the educational realm. If there's somebody listening that doesn't have a kid with any of these blaring issues, but say, you know, like you mentioned, like a kid is super argumentative, that can be really challenging and really affect the family culture. But how do you cope with that in the moment, you know, on a day-to-day basis? How do you not let that tear apart the fabric of your home? I think one thing is just trusting that it's not tearing apart the fabric. Of the <laughs> okay. um, I feel like we have what we call our 24 family ways, which were very clear principles of understanding. We will talk this way to each other and we will honor mom and dad and we will do this together, which we taught them. So constantly, constantly every night I would say, okay, could you have said that in a kinder way? Or I sometimes I'd have to take the kids out of the table, do whatever. And I realize in my personal philosophy is that 
if God has allowed this for me, then God has allowed it for my children. And so I said to all the kids, I said, you know, if you all can learn to understand and accept each other and respond to each other, even with all the issues that you have, whether it's Nathan or we had a couple other kids that had some issues, then you will find favor in your life and you'll grow in the direction of maturity. But if you resist learning how to cope with this problem, and if you only see it as a problem, then it will create bitterness in your home. I don't think there was ever a day, maybe, that Nathan was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, of course, delightful times, and all of my kids are very close now. But we learned that this is our family puzzle. We had a lot of fun in our family. We cultivated a lot of things. And don't, I would say for a mom, try hard not to take on a legacy of disappointment and communicating that to your children. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really sorry we had another interruption. I really, yeah. our family is hurt because of this person, right? It's good to talk about it honestly and say, how can we manage this the best way possible? But how can we also set boundaries so that other kids can have some time just freely where you aren't worried about one more argument? But I I think that I didn't know if we would come out okay, because you tend to perceive life as an idealist that it would be perfect. And my life just never was. And so I I would say, breathe, enjoy life, enjoy the moments that you can, look for goodness, and don't set a standard for perfection uh, because you'll never attain it, but set a standard for life and love and light and move in that direction. And I feel like all of us are more mature for having borne each other's difficulties and all of us understand the foundation of love more. And also, I think that Nathan and my other children who have a couple issues feel like if they want to go someplace where they're going to find acceptance and unconditional love and they're very good friends now, they all support each other. They're going to go to one of their siblings first because that was the law of love. It was a established in our family. So know that it may be very hard, but you will make it through and um, your kids will surprise you at their resiliency. And even if you have a prodigal or a difficult child who never responds, that doesn't mean that you weren't a great mom. So encouraging, Sally. Thank you. And thank you for being so real, not just on our conversation today, but just every time on your own podcast and in your books. I think that's something when I talk with other moms and my friends, that we just really appreciate your realness and that you talk about your days being messy early on. You didn't know that it was going to have a beautiful outcome. I feel like you're a kindred spirit to me and I appreciate all of our conversations. And even when you text me, I feel so much that you breathe life into me. And I know that just anyone listening today is going to feel that same way. And so thank you. Oh, I feel the same way. I just love being with you, Ainsley. And I can't wait till we can be face to face again. That'll be so much fun. I know. I know. As soon as Millie's weaned, I'm hopping on a plane and coming to your front porch. (laughs) I know. We've got to do it before the snows. (laughs) Seriously. I know. Hurry up, Millie. No. <laughs> well, thank you, Sally. Thanks for joining me today. And we will see you in September. I can't wait. I can't either. We're going to have so much fun. And I'm praying for a very coolish, not so hot day so we can just kind of breeze through Nashville. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Me too. It'll be so much fun. I can't wait to see all of you, precious moms. That'll be a great time. Thanks for joining us, Sally. You've encouraged us all so much, and we're counting the days until we see you in Nashville. We've been working hard behind the scenes here at Wild and Free headquarters, and we've got some huge announcements coming on August 1st. So stay tuned to the Wild and Free Instagram feed or our website at bewildandfree.org. Well, friends, that's all the time we have for today, but join us next week for the Wild and Free podcast. (laughs) 